0: We are in Romans, the 10th chapter, and we're going to finish this great, great chapter. We have been looking at the book of Romans, and, and, and Paul is stopped abruptly at the end of chapter 8, and he brought us into a relationship of, of his talking with the people of Israel. He is talking to the Jewish people in Rome. And for the most part it appears that they have pushed away the whole idea of this thing called the Messiah and this whole idea of Christianity. And he has been teaching all of the people about faith. And he is saying that your traditions, your religious background is not is not what is at issue here. It is now a matter of faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. You can't work your way there. You cannot do enough good things or give enough money or anything else to make yourself right with God. It is purely and only by faith. But then when he stops in chapter 8 and moves into chapter 9, he talks about Israel's past, how they reacted. In chapter 10, we have been looking at Israel's present, their right now what is happening in their lives as He is explaining it to them in Rome. And when we get to chapter 11, which is next week, we will be talking about Israel's future. Now what I want you to know in all of this, He is also speaking to us Gentiles. He is also speaking to the family of God. He is reaching out to all of us. And we're going to learn through the nation of Israel what He expects of us as well. And so we... We stopped our study last week, and we celebrated last Sunday and Saturday, our 10th anniversary. Um, it was a wonderful celebration as far as I was concerned. Uh, I loved listening to, to Pastor Dave Briggs and, and Rob Selleck and, and Brian talk about our future, where, where we hope to go. Let me share with you that all of that is in pencil, every bit of it. Because where we hope to go will line up to where God is leading us. And so our hopes will be hopefully God's plan. And when our hopes don't match up to His plan, we will abandon our hopes and fall in line with His plan. And so everything that we do and all that we are is to try to find out what does God expect from us as a group of people? What does He expect for us to do in our lives, and so everything that we plan is a hope hope this is what, what God wants us to do, but it 's all in pencil, and when he changes, we change, we will follow Him. But I just wanted to tell you that last week was a blessing to me it, it, it we, we started the church ten years ago and, and and that was an amazing event in and of itself it was a, a It was a catastrophe in my life. It was a a trauma in my life that was worse than the death of my father leaving your Belinda Friends Church. That was not my desire. Oh my gosh. That was so far from my desire. I thought that I would die there. I thought that I would preach my last message there and they'd say goodbye. And I didn't think it was going to be then that they'd say goodbye. And so that was a traumatic time in my life but by the grace of God for those of you who knew Laura Chandler, who was on our staff, she came over from that church with us. She met with Kay and me and her husband Ralph and, and, and Wes Brown and, and, and um, other, uh, other people, let's see, Dan and, and, and Cassie and Alty. And we met and, and, and Laura said, we will not miss church. We still want you to be a pastor. And I said, we have no building. We have nowhere to meet. I don't think we can. I'm 65. Maybe the Lord's saying I'm done. Let's let's just cash it in and thank the Lord. And she said, "No, no. God spoke to me. We're going to build a church." And that was Laura Chandler, folks, without question. And then, um, out of nowhere, I get a call from a guy named Pastor Crow, who had the Garden Church, that church that's kind of. I don't know how to explain. It's on Santa Ana Canyon Road down a ways, I guess. And he said, you know, uh, I hear that you're not there anymore over at Yorbelinda." He says, you, are you going to still pastor? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you think? And He says, I think you ought to. I said, we have nowhere to meet. We said, well, you can meet here for two weeks. You can meet in our, our church for two weeks. I don't know if you can meet here anymore. And so we, we said, okay. And we started, and I can remember Mickey and Sherry. I can remember you as vividly as anything. You were ushering. I mean, and so we started. We started the church there in in the garden. And in 10 years, we have not missed one Sunday. Not one Sunday. We were nomads. We, we'd, we'd go from that, that place and, and we, we found a theater that was open to us and, and that was a miracle. The guy that was there that had a church there, just a small group of about 30 people maybe, said, yeah, he can move in here with their church. if He didn't mind and we moved into the theater and he had the right of refusal. And so we moved in there and then we went to another place, another place, and then the Lord God gave us this. A um, couple, what is it? A time for me just is meaningless anymore. Was it a couple months ago? How long we have been here? Huh? About? Two months at least? Five months? Yeah. Yeah. You and me, we were losing it fast, boy. <laughs> no, Your Honor, I don't remember. <laughs> so, and this, is the, this place has been beyond glorious to me. I, I do love it. I do love it so much. Um, but the truth of the matter is, I, I love you. I love you so much. And I love the privilege of doing what we do here week in and week out. And I thank you for, that, for this privilege. And so, we celebrated 10 years. And I pray that we have many, many more. I, we have a plan for me, uh, as you've been told um, if I can last, I will go as long as the Lord God allows me to stand upright and not drool too much uh, <laughs> on the on the thing you know and as as long as you want me by the way uh, it's not like oh you got it i'm i'm no we're gonna we're looking we're 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 eagerly going to seek someone to take over for me some younger guy that really loves the Word of God and will love people and um we will we will seek that person out we don't know who it is yet. But we will make that transition smooth and slowly, and I'm gonna, we will make sure that He loves you more than anything else, and as well as the Word, and we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, I'm hoping to stay at least till I'm 80. That's my hope. Um, and then after that, I think it'll just be bonus. I remember a long time ago, I'm going to get into the message, but let me just tell you this. A long time ago, uh, I got to meet uh, J. Vernon McGee. Gosh, I really love him, and um, I met him through a, a chapel. Uh, Andre Thornton was a baseball player with the Cleveland Indians. Wanted to have chapel, and he said, uh, "I'd like to have Dr. McGee speak when we come in when the when we play the Angels." And I said, "Yeah." And then after him, do you want me to get Billy Graham? I mean, like I didn't know Dr. McGee, and he said, "No, I know him." And he says, "Here's his number. Give him a call." And So I called the number, and lo and behold, he answers the phone. I figured it was a secretary who's going to answer the phone or somebody, and you could, his voice is so distinctive that I just I couldn't speak. And so I, I told him I, who I was, <laughs> yeah, and he's uh, so, and I said I'm a friend. <laughs> I'm a I'm a friend of of Andre Thornton. He said, "Oh, Andre, I bet he wants me to do chapel." And I, I'm going like this. No, you got to speak. You can't. I'm on the phone, and then, and so he ended up doing chapel. It was really a funny story. a truly true story. He did chapel with Cleveland, and on Cleveland they had a guy named Denny. who Was one of the pitchers, and he was famous for throwing inside on hitters. In other words, for those of who don't follow baseball, he would knock hitters down. And on the Angels was Don Baylor, who got hit more than anybody else in the in the major leagues. And he got hit often because he stood right on home plate and he liked the ball inside. And, and so pitchers wanted to push him back so they would hit him. And he hated Denny. He, it, Baylor hated Denny. So there's Chapel. We had Chapel with the Angels and we had Chapel with the, with the Indians. And who's pitching that day? Denny. And who's playing? Baylor. And so Dr. McGee, J. Vernon McGee, is given the message to both teams. During the game, Denny hits Baylor <laughs> with a pitch. And Baylor charges the mound, and there becomes this melee of fist fights. Guys are hitting everybody everywhere. And I don't know this story firsthand. I just heard someone said to Dr. McGee, Dr. McGee, didn't you give chapel to these guys? Here's Dr. McGee's response Just imagine how bad it would have been had I not spoken. That's confidence, right? That's a man that is confident in his walk with Christ. I would have said, oh, I know I shouldn't have spoken. It was probably something I said. Uh. No, he said, just imagine how bad it would have been had I not spoken. No, man. So we invited him to speak over at our church, and he came to speak. And, and he just uh, was just such a blessing and such a wonderful, wonderful man of God. And... and uh, uh, it was just a thrill. I don't know where I was going with that story, but let me stop and let me get into the Word. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. We stopped in Romans chapter 10. Now would you turn in your Bibles, please, there. And we stopped at what I think is the the key that will unlock the book of Romans for us all. And it is verse 16. Paul is quoting Isaiah when he says that Isaiah said in verse 16 however they did not all heed the good news for Isaiah says lord who has believed our report in other words we have been sharing the goodness of the god of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and and some many i take from verse 16 are not responding to the message who has believed us. And we learn that, that the key to that understanding is the word heed. The word heed in the Greek is hupakou. H-U-P-A-K-O-U-O. It, it means to listen intently, but more. It means not only to listen intently, but it means to listen with great obedience. You see, it's one thing to have someone listen to what you're saying. It's a whole nother thing when they listen intently and then are obedient to what God is saying to them. And in a message, the way we do it anyways, the same message will not be the same for everybody here. There have been times where people have come up to me and said, Man, did you, did you hear about what I've been going through? You, you hit exactly what I am going through. Did somebody tell you? And you gave that message for me? And of course the answer is no. I, I, I had no clue what you're going through. That's what the Word of God does. But in the same day, the same service, someone else will come up to me and say, did you hear what I was going through? That that message was exactly what I needed to hear. And when you listen to this person over there and that person over here say, this touched me, it, they, meant they were meaningless with one another. They were like, like night and day. And that's what the word of God does. It, it 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 touches you where you need to be touched. And you need to listen intently and be obedient to the word of God. And that's my call in life. My call in life is not to come here and to and to try to make you feel good about yourself. My call here as as the pastor of a church, I think any pastor. Will tell you this. Our our call as someone who will preach the word of God, not not give you a, a feel-good message, but to, to really preach the word of God. Our call is to honor God, not the listeners. He is my ultimate listener. When I'm home studying, I'm trying to figure out what will please my Lord. What was what what is the Lord trying to say to us as a congregation through this place in scripture and you afford me the most wonderful opportunity and that's to go home and to study my brain out so that I might be able to formulate what what it is that God is saying and then he will take the message that's why I always ask Lord move me aside let me not get involved in this I want you to minister to the people and that's why he will do that if we are faithful to study his word my job is to do that. Your job is to listen intently to God's Word, not me. And when He speaks to you, to be obedient to what He's asking of you. And that's what I'm to do, by the way, during the week while I study. He speaks to me over and over again through the message and asks me to be obedient to what I learned. So Paul reasons with them, as you and I are going to read today in verses 18 to 21, he says to the Jewish people, but remember, that's who he's addressing, but it really, he's addressing all of us. But he says to them, the Jews, you, he says, have heard. He says, you also know what needs to be done. So the question for this message today is, why? didn't you heed or obediently listen to what God is saying to you the question for you and me today is why do people refuse to listen to and obey God i wrote down just in ink on the bottom of my on my note here the safest place that you and i can be is in the will of God the safest place it's not always the most um, void of, of trials it's not always the one that's most void of difficulties but it is the safest place and it is the place where you and I will be blessed the most when we walk according to the will of God as close to our, our Lord as we can possibly do so let me read with you verses 18 to 21 let's finish off chapter 10 and let's try to make sense of what Paul is teaching us here I think it's pretty clear but let's make sense of it Verse 18, Paul asks a rhetorical question, but I say, he says, surely they have never heard, have they? He answers, indeed, they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? At the first, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation, By a nation without understanding, I will anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, speaking for God, I was found by those who sought me not, and I became manifest or known to those who did not ask for me. And then Paul says, but as for Israel, God says, All the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. That's quite a statement. Father, please, would you bless us? Thank you so much for the, this church, these people. I love them so much, Father. I, I, I can't even begin to say, Lord, you know, I mean, I, I can't even begin to tell you to, the, to them, Father, how much I love them and, and what, it, what a privilege it is to, to meet together like this on a regular basis. Father, would you please bless us? Would you bless your word? Open up our eyes so we might behold wonderful things from your law. Bless uh, the Yost family, Father, and their sweet, sweet daughter, Karis, and their son, Caden. And may Chip and Debbie, uh, Father, be the parents that you've called them to be in their lives. Thank you for them. Thank you for this church. Now, Father, would you do me an honor? Move me aside so that I do not interfere with what you want to say to each of us here today. Bless your word, Father, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Let me tell you what Paul is doing. He's pointing out here in verses 18 through 21 that Israel was ignorant of the predictions right out of their own scriptures. In other words, the ignorance of Israel was not based on a lack of truth nor a lack of opportunity to hear the truth because God's word was given to them. They are God's chosen people. And God asked Abraham and his descendants to go out into the world and to bless the world with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they knew what they were to do. But consequently, they had no excuse. They had no excuse for not obeying, accepting, and heeding, listening intently, and being obedient to God's universal call for all mankind. You see, it wasn't because they didn't know. It was because they refused to follow after God's command. How does that fit with you and me? Let's stop there for a second and think. What is it that you and I can do to represent our Lord? Let me tell you what I I do. Just not that you should do this. By the way, not all of us. We're not cookie-cutters Christians. Each of us have a a, a different personality, a different call upon your life. But the other day, I had the privilege of going to lunch with a, a couple and and a, a sweet young girl named Heather was waiting on us, college girl, and, and, and got to know her a little bit as she's waiting on us and just trying to make friends. And, and so as she brought the food out, I said, Heather, pray with us. I grabbed her hand. She grabbed my hand back, which is a good sign. I grabbed uh, my, <laughs> my, my wife's hand, and we, and we all prayed. And I asked the Lord to bless her. I, asked, I thanked the Lord for the food. I asked the Lord to bless her in her, her college education and that, that, that she would, you know, just follow after the will of God and do blah, blah, blah. And I just prayed. That was it. Now, I've done that before and some people have said, no, I'm busy and they, they won't take my hand and they go. That's fine. I, it's not that they have to. It's just something I do. It's something I do to, to kind of hopefully, very gently share with them that, the wonders of our God, that we can actually talk to Him. Midway through the meal, she came and whispered to me, thank you. She she said, you made me cry. I said, oh, I am sorry. Did I embarrass you? She said, no. She said, nobody has ever done that to me before. Then she said that I was kind. And I said, well, really, my God is kind. He asks me to do that. And I just try to be obedient, Heather. And I said, Where do you church? And we talked a little bit about that. It wasn't like brain surgery. Uh, You didn't have to go to seminary to do what I did. It was just a hopefully a gentle maybe a reminder. It reminded me after when I told my wife, did you hear what she said? No. She said, what did she say? I said, I almost made her cry because she said that nobody has ever prayed with her like that before. It reminded Kay and me of a time when we were in Rome and and this guy who was a maestro took us out to an Italian restaurant. I told you about this. And, and I, I shared Christ with him. And at, uh, right about midway through the meal, he said, boy, my mother and my father would really be pleased with what you're doing. Why is that, I asked. He said, because they've been sharing Christ with me since I was a little boy. He said, but I completely reject him. And I said, why? Why? Look how successful you are. Why have you rejected him? And he gave me some just really a Brutal answer. And I I would like to say to you there in this restaurant in Rome, he fell on his knees and asked Christ into his heart, but he didn't. But I know one thing. God used that moment. I don't know how. I'm not even certain where, but I believe God did. God will not let any of our word go out void. He will not. And so what I did with this young, sweet girl named Heather wasn't brain surgery. It wasn't like seminary. It was just just a reaching out to try to Remind a sweet young girl that there is a God that overlooks her and really likes and loves her. Well, Israel, they did not heed God. But because of that, you and I are the beneficiaries. Look, Remind yourself what it says in verses 18 through 20. Paul writes in verse 18, Surely, he said, they have never heard. But yes, he says, indeed, they have. They have no excuse, Israel. The voice has gone out into the earth, their words to the end of this world. But I say, in verse 19, surely Israel didn't know, did they? And God then makes his point by saying, yes, they did, because I gave them prophets. Moses, Isaiah, verse 19, first Moses said, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. That's us, Gentiles, a nation without understanding, I'm going to anger you, Israel. And surely they become angry over the fact that, that the Gentiles all of a sudden could, could, could proclaim that they knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and Israel is saying, how can that be? We are the chosen people. They are not. And then it says in verse 20, Isaiah comes on top of Moses very boldly, it says in verse 20, and he speaks, Isaiah, for God, saying, I was found by those who did not seek me. Again, Gentiles. I became manifest or known to those who did not ask for me. Again, Gentiles. So we benefit from this. Moses speaks for God when he says, they, the Jews, have made me jealous with what is not God. Well, what did did they do to make you jealous, God? He said, they've provoked me to anger with their idols. Therefore, he says, I will make them jealous with those who are not a people us gentiles i will provoke them to anger with a foolish dace and god calls us fools and i think he's right 100% right in deuteronomy 32:21 just as we read there god would make his chosen people israel jealous and angry that was written some 1500 years before paul put a pen to a paper and wrote about and spoke to rome this was all proclaimed long, long, long ago. Moses declared the salvation message was to reach us, the Gentile people, as well as the Jews. And Isaiah did the same. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, I'll let you read it later, but it's it's God saying, I've permitted myself to be sought by those who didn't seek me, meaning us Gentiles. So not only did Moses and Isaiah speak of this, but Jesus himself gave a parallel account. Let's read that. Hold your place here and look with me at Matthew chapter uh, 21. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. I, I know you know that. It's to the left. Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus gives a, a, a few paral, uh, uh, parables. A parable is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Let me repeat that. A parable is a story, an earthly story, using earthly characters to give a heavenly meaning. And here, Jesus Christ, in front of the Pharisees, the, the religious Jewish religious leaders of the day, chastises them over what Paul is writing about in Rome. Jesus says in this parable, in Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 33, he says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug in a wine press, built a tower, rented it out to vine growers, and went on a journey. Well, basically, that's God, the Father, who who gave to Israel uh, the vineyard, the, the, the Word of God, and told them to harvest it, get it out into the world. Verse 34, When the harvest time approached, this, the landowner, this God, sent his slaves, that's the prophets. He sent them into the vine growers to receive his produce. In other words, give me back what you've grown. The vine growers, verse 35, took the slave, in this case the prophets. They beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. Jesus is giving the story to the religious leaders of his day. And then again... Verse 36, he sent another group of slaves, more prophets, larger than the first. They did the same thing to them. But afterwards, verse 37, look at this. He sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. It says, verse 38, but when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, seize his inheritance. Let's take what is his. They took him, they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what is he going to do to those vine growers? Now, he asks them this question, and they know exactly what he should do. They answer, "He's going." verse 41, he's going to bring those wretches to a wretched end. He's going to rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper season. I mean, they are cutting their own throats. You know, I've said in the first service, and I want to say here, God wants to bless us. He's got something that He wants to do in our lives. He wants to bless you. If you don't do it, if we don't do it, He will be blessed. He'll just do it elsewhere. It's in His story The vine growers who were there originally didn't do what God asked them to do. He's going to get it done, just not through them. Same thing for us as a church. We've got to pay attention to what God wants from us. And and I'm not even certain what that is. But when we find out, we need to do that and listen to our Lord. Okay, so let's go in verse 42. Jesus said to them, did you never read the scriptures? In other words, gosh, you guys... Have you not studied the Word of God? The stone which the builders rejected, he became the chief cornerstone. stone. This came about from the Lord. It is a marvelous thing in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. It will be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. See, if they don't do what God asks them to do, it will get done. He'll just give it to somebody else. Now when the chief priest, verse 40, no, verse 44 I didn't read forgive me and who and he who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces but on whomever it falls it'll be scattered like they will be scattered like dust that was a bad reading please forgive me verse 45 when the chief priests and the Pharisees that's who Jesus Christ was speaking to heard this parable they understood that he was speaking about them they sought to seize him but they feared the multitude because Jesus Christ was held in high esteem by the people to be a prophet. They thought he was really something special, which he is. But they wanted to seize him and kill him at that moment. You see, right in front of him were the, the, the religious leaders of the day, and they just wouldn't listen intently to what the Lord was telling them, and they didn't want to be obedient. Why? Because they had their own agenda. Usually, that's what happens to those of us that don't want to follow the Lord. We just have our own agenda. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough smarts. You name it. You name it. Because of Israel's persistent rejection of Jesus Christ, you're in, still in verse t- chapter 21. Turn to chapter 23 of Matthew. Listen to our, our Lord's lament over Israel. He says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets. That's what he was explaining in this parable. Who stones those who are sent to her. What he's playing in the parable. How often he says, I wanted to gather you, your chickens together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her, her wings. But you were what? What's the word? Unwilling. At least in the New American Standard. You were unwilling. What a statement. They were Unwilling. They they knew the truth. They knew what they were supposed to do. They were unwilling to follow the Lord. And so Israel, God's chosen people who ignored His word, ignored His warnings, they sought after God okay, but in their terms. Not His. Remember, don't forget in this chapter, chapter 10, verse 2, look up at it for a moment. Paul acknowledged that they had a zeal for God. He says, I bear witness. They have a zeal for God, but not in according to what? Knowledge. You know what is going on? Those that were teaching about God were not teaching the Word of God. They were teaching their philosophy, their idea about God. And so they had a zeal. They had a a love for this God, but they had no knowledge about Him. A terrible statement. And so God says to them in verse 21, if you'll go back now to Romans chapter 10, verse 21, He says, all the day long, quoting out of Isaiah chapter 62, I've stretched out my hands towards you. All day long I've done that to a disobedient and obstinate people. Disobedient and obstinate in in the Greek is A-P-E-I-T-H-E-O. It means someone to contradict and to speak out against another. In other words, they they heard what he said, but they contradicted it. They knew what he said, but they spoke against it. They changed it. Throughout Israel's history, for the most part, Israel has contradicted and opposed the truth of God and his Son, their wonderful Messiah, who has lovingly and patiently called her, as verse 21 reminds Israel, all day long stretching his hands out to them. Okay, enough about Israel. Let's talk about you and me. Because it does cross over. What about us? Jew or Gentile? How patiently must God wait upon you and me? The warning's not just confined to Israel, this warning here. God is holding out His hands, waiting upon all of us to be obedient to His call. In Acts chapter 7, I'm not going to ask you to turn there because we're a little bit pressed for time. But in Acts chapter 7, there's a uh, Stephen. Stephen was just another man. He, just, he was true. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And he was a godly man. But he was just another man. He was sharing Christ and, and the people in Israel became irate with him and they wanted to kill him. And he spoke out against them and and, and, and they, they, they got so angry at Stephen in Acts chapter 7 verse 51 to 60 that they dragged him out of town. They put him in, in a place where they stoned people and they started to stone him. And when they were stoning him, they laid his robe at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul, who later became Paul, who wrote this book, Romans, most of the New Testament. I believe that this incident had to make an impact on Paul's life beyond... Any of our wildest dreams. Paul was watching this. And while they were stoning stoning Stephen, Stephen cried out, Lord God, forgive them for what they are doing. Forgive them for what they are doing. And then it says, and Stephen then fell asleep. Didn't even say he died. He fell asleep. And I can only imagine what an impact that had to be on Paul's life to hear someone say, Lord, forgive them for what they're doing to me. Now, you and I might not ever be stoned to death. I pray never. But uh, I'm sure there have been some stones thrown at you and thrown at me that feels really hurtful. How do we handle it? What a monumental and tragic failure Israel became. They, They They misunderstood and rejected Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Gentile people who have misunderstood and rejected Him as well. They rejected His saving grace. Why? Mostly because of sin, but also because of a lack, verse 2, because of lack of knowledge. They missed and misunderstood the scope of God's salvation. You know, it made me stop and think, can you imagine... Churches, where, and I've heard that there are quite a few that ask the congregation, "Don't bring your Bible in, uh, because there's a lot of visitors that come, and we don't want to embarrass them or make them feel uncomfortable." And so we'll just give a, a kind of a generic message and of the day, something topical. Won't uh, won't share too much, so as not to embarrass anybody. And I thought when I wrote down, can you imagine? some of the people who came to church with a zeal, wanting to know God but found no knowledge. And there they are standing before the judgment seat of God. And out of the corner of their eye, they see the pastor who is speaking to them, just giving them a gentle rub down so as not to offend them. Can you imagine how how disappointed and angry they might be? realizing that that pastor was not willing to study hard enough or to be obedient enough to the call of God to give them the Word of God so that they might have understanding of how to come to Christ. You don't have to worry about that here. I'm not here to give you a rubdown. I'm not here to please you, as a matter of fact. I'm here to please God. And He wants me to tell you the truth. By the way, for, we move on to chapter 11 Next week, I want to share with you that God has not given up on Israel, not even a, not even a little bit. If you look at chapter 11, how it begins, Paul says, "I say then, God has not rejected His people, has He? May it never be. For I too, Paul writes, am an Israelite. I am a descendant of Abraham, I am of the tribe of Benjamin." Paul is saying God has a purpose with Israel. And we'll clearly learn what that is. In chapter 9, we saw that God dealt with Israel in the past. In chapter 10, we see that He is dealing with Israel right now. And in chapter 11, we're going to see that He will not give up on Israel. He will deal with them in the future. And what He will do with Israel, He will do with you and me as well, by the way. You see... As Israel has a second chance, another opportunity, so do you and so do I. Our opportunity is staring us right in the face. God is saying to you and to me, listen, listen, listen intently to my word. And what you hear myself say to you, be obedient to it. The safest place that you and I can be is in the will of God. Safest. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be filled with trials or difficulties. It's just the safest place that we can be. So what does our Lord ask of you and me? Simple. Romans chapter 10, verse 16. Heed. Heed. Heed his word. Listen intently and be obedient. Now, what does that mean to you? I don't know. I really don't. It varies from person to person. I know what it means to me. Last week when we were talking about us as a church, Rob Selleck really honored me, um, really honored me. Uh, He didn't realize how much. He had said to you folks that that Pastor John gets opportunities to speak other places, but he doesn't go. He chooses to stay here. That's the honest truth. I've told him that. I used to get a lot more opportunities to speak than I do anymore. I hardly get a call anymore because I've said no so often to other churches, and other places. But the truth of the matter is, at 75, I don't have the energy to preach other places. I don't have the energy to study a lot more than what I do for you. As a matter of fact, I make it a habit. Every Saturday, I told this to the last service, every Saturday between 12 and whatever time the Lord will allow me, I go to sleep. I take a nap in the afternoon, every Saturday. I used to do when I was a ball player. When I was playing ball, I used to take naps in the afternoon. <laughs> All the guys thought I was weird. But I took naps because I wanted to be the best I could be at night. And I thought to myself, boy, if I did that when I was playing ball, why wouldn't I do that when I preach? I want to come to Saturday evening service as much alive and on fire that I could possibly be. And so I take a nap. And I've found that if I can nap, I feel stronger on Sunday too. And so it covers over. I do that purely So that I have the strength to teach. Give you everything I've got. Now when I go home about 3 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to fall asleep whether I want to or not. I'll be watching a great game and all of a sudden it'll be, I'll miss it. Anyways, I say that to you to say this. Being here on the weekends the most important thing in my life. I think it ought to be for you as well. I think this hour in the day, ought to be the most important hour that we can give to the Lord to study His Word, to encourage one another. <sighs> I'm going to pray with you in a moment. But first and foremost, I'm going to tell you what I tell you every week. When I'm going to say this so hard, I can't even believe. I, please, I love you so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for the past 10 years. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this church with you. I love you more than you'll ever know. Thank you. Father, we want to thank you most of all for your grace and the study of your word. May we be a people who hear the warning to Israel and not say, well, they better listen. No, no, we better listen. We better hear you speak to us as well. We need to listen intently to what you're saying to us. And Father, be obedient. I pray now you'll bless us. Wherever you might take us, Father, bless us, I pray. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.